0: Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 Weekdays on Vision Christian Radio. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media.
1: Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's a good question. How can you tempt someone who already has everything? The answer by making them think they don't have everything. In the garden, the serpent promised Eve, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. But she already was like God. She had been created in his very image and likeness. If you don't know your true identity in Christ, you are most vulnerable to deception. Others will try to tell you who you are, or rather how you can become who you want to be. The truth is that it's not what we do that determines who we are, but knowing who we are, that will determine what we will do. If you don't know who you are, you will be tricked into believing that you have to perform in order to become. But when you understand the truth about who you are in Christ, no one will ever control you again. Remember, the strategy of the devil is to try to get you to believe that you have to become what you already are. When this happens, your focus will be on doing rather than on being. The moment Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she ceased being a human being and became a human doing. This is Set Free with Ken Legg.
0: Well, thanks for joining us again. This week we are looking at judging, something we all do. We've been looking at how partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil made us judgmental. We feel qualified now to say what's right and wrong because of that, and even who is right and who is wrong. Yesterday, we saw how we can even become judges of God. And now today, can I understand we're going to look at how our judgment of ourselves can be adversely affected if we eat from the wrong tree.
1: Yes, uh, you've often heard me say that our two greatest problems are believing wrong things about God and wrong things about ourselves. Satan is working overtime on getting us confused in those two areas. Now, if you believe you are deficient, you will experience deficiency. But are we deficient? No, no. God has promised that in all things His grace will be sufficient for us. Now, As I just shared, Adam and Eve believed that they needed to do something to become like God. And the human race is desperately pursuing something that was originally freely given. For example, many have succumbed to the idea that our works are the basis of our worth. Mm, That's a pretty common idea. Yeah. Now, do we need to do things in order to make a name for ourselves? No. In fact, Phil, I know that you'll be aware of the fact that there are many Christians today, if not the majority of Christians, who are doing things anonymously in terms of notoriety. They're just getting on with the job. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be big noted. They don't need for the world to know what they're doing. They're just getting on with it. How is it that they can live and work in seeming obscurity and without reputation? And the answer is because they already know who they are. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it to get an identity They're working from that identity. And, of course, our identity is based upon the one with whom we are identified with, and that's Jesus Christ. We're complete in him, so therefore we can just get on with doing without
0: having to do it for an agenda. Do you know what I mean? And how liberating, because when you get your worth from what you do, you've got to keep doing it. (laughs) Exactly (laughs) right. It's just incredibly liberating. It's sad that we have this incredible identity, but we often hear that Christians uh, have an identity crisis of some sort. What is, what is the story with that? Well, let's look at what happened when Adam and Eve believed the serpent's lie that they, they were
1: empty. Okay, you're, you're deficient. They tried to deal with the problem by placing themselves in the center. See, it's not working with God in the middle. You're not getting your fair share. You've got to put yourself there. Mm-hmm. But when they did that, and then they were empty. Then it all fell apart. They were naked. They were ashamed. They immediately felt their nakedness. And their natural response to that was to cover their nakedness. And Phil, that's the next step in the process of the lie. It says this, I know I'm naked, but I can cover my nakedness. People do that by things like achievements, self-esteem courses, even ministry can be used as a a means of self-affirmation, if you like. You know, we look to friends to affirm us. We improve our appearance to feel better about ourselves and so on. But it's all uh, cosmetic, really, isn't it? It's all external, that's right. It's interesting to see that the way that God dealt with that situation, first of all, He had to uncover them, take away the fig leaves, if you like, free them from those false coverings, and then of course he covered them in the skins of animals, which represented the sacrificial blood of Jesus and his righteousness. Mm. And he deals with us in the same way that he dealt with Adam and Eve. First of all, he uncovers and then he covers. This is what happened at the cross. Jesus revealed two things about us. First of all, he revealed our sin, our need of salvation. But then he revealed Of course, his righteousness that he gives to us, that our righteousness is now found in him. So his message to us is loud and clear. At the cross, we see, hey, this is what God is saying to us. Your worth is unsurpassable. You cannot estimate the value that you have and that God places upon you because he gave his own son. Now, that's his judgment of us. Mm. Why do we want our judgment of us when that's the highest possible
0: judgment that could be passed upon us, that you are of unsurpassable worth? So what you're saying is that first we actually need to be uncovered before we can be covered. And you're not talking literally here, are eh, you, Ken? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> keep, no, we're keep not. Keep your clothes on. We're talking spiritually <laughs> here, Phil. Oh, very good. But is <laughs> that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Of course, if we're trying to find an identity for ourselves based upon what we do, etc., then we will make wrong judgments about ourselves. We're saying, until I do something, I'm of no worth. And that's just covering up our nakedness. We'll be running to those kind of fig leaves. It's mm. Not God's way. He's something much better than even Adam had before the fall think about that. Adam had innocence before the fall with the potential of falling and being sinful. We don't have innocence. We have righteousness. Innocence means that we always have the potential of sinning. But righteousness means that even when we do sin, we are permanently in the right with God because God does not impute our sin to us. He imputes the righteousness of Christ to us. Mm. So our true identity is found in Christ regardless of our doing, whether our doing is good or bad, whether we've fallen or whether we're having a good day, whether we've done a lot of good works or we've done no no works. That does not affect who we are. Our, that, that issue of our identity was resolved at the cross.
0: And again, it's liberating. It's that truth that sets you free. Although, would you agree, Ken, that it's a battle to actually stand fast in that truth? It's a daily battle. In fact, th- this is the work of the Christian life, if I can put it that way.
1: You know, It's, it's, it's in renewing our mind in the truth. Paul said, don't be Conform to this world. Don't be squeezed into the mould of this world, into the way it thinks and and wants you to think. You know, mm. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that's a that's a daily thing that we're confronted with. And uh, but it's a good work that we 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 are to do. And uh, let me ask this question: What do we need to do in order to make God love us more? Now, we would say with our minds nothing. <laughs> But we're really, with our emotions, we feel that we've got to do something. We have to do something. Yeah. yeah. We, we feel, what, what have I got to do? You know, I've got to do something to make people think right about me. Uh, and that's why when we come to Christ, we repent of dead works. Now, dead works are not good works. Good works flow out of our faith in Christ. But dead works are those works that we do in order to be accepted, whether it's to be accepted with God or mm. to be acceptable to others. Mm. They're dead works because they're superfluous. We don't need to do anything if we know who we really are, what our true identity is. So we need to resist every attempt of the enemy, even through well-meaning Christians, to ever evaluate our lives again on the basis of any other thing than the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul uses that statement, and I've always found it interesting, Phil. He says, Cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into to captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, he spoke about, pulling down those strongholds. Now, those strongholds are uh, are thought patterns that have been entrenched and established in our minds over a long period of times,
0: the way that we've been trained to think about ourselves, if you like. What would you say to someone, Ken, who has heard what you've said and realized, I do things because I feel I need to for God to love me, for God to bless me, for whatever. What do they do to get out of that? Do you pull back and stop doing those things? Yeah, but you see, everything flows out
1: of a belief system. You can't do that in a vacuum. You know, you, you can tell people, don't do this and do that. But what we do flows out of the truth that's really been established in our heart. So that person needs the right information and for that information to be firmly established in their heart. So I would say, go back to studying your identity in Christ. What is it really that gives you worth and value as a person? Now, yesterday we talked about how Jesus, through his life, gave us a wonderful impression of what God thinks about us. But what about in his death? You know, I mean, God so loved this world. God so loved us that he gave us his only begotten son. Somebody once said, I asked God, how much do you love me? And Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross and said, this much.
0: subject this week is judging and we'll continue the conversation same time tomorrow hope you can join us until then remember you don't have to carry that baggage god wants you to be set free
1: for books dvds small group studies and other resources from ken leg and details about ken's ministry shop online at vision.org.au that's vision.org.au